When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There are some intangibles that those projections failed to take into consideration. The crowd was going crazy. There's not much in life that's better than that. You're listening to Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys on the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. Hello there. Welcome back to the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. It is good to be back here in the second half post-All-Star break of the baseball season. Sam Lubman here with, as always, Joe the Butcher Boy Shasky. Shasky, this is episode 66. 66 also happens to be the percentage of games that most Giants fans did not watch this weekend because they were not on traditional viewing channels. Uh, I don't know, Shaz, did you did you check out either the, the Apple TV or the Peacock games? I watched all of it because I am I'm subscribed to 8,000 different platforms these days. I just, at this point, I mean, I got my, you know, chunk of streaming platforms that I have. I think I have like five or six that I have accounts with either that I have or that I share with other people and I just leech off of them. There comes to a point where it's just there's too many and I just don't care anymore. If the Giants are on Apple TV, which they were on Friday night, I'm not going to put the effort in at this point. Like it's it's almost like a silent protest to me. You know, I will I, I want the games on normal TV. I we've talked about this a lot. I know the future is with streaming. I am going to be the old man yelling at the clouds saying I want my baseball on normal TV until I have no other choice. And I don't know, I like to think that if we all just band together and not watch an Apple TV game, maybe Major League Baseball would get the same message. But I don't know, that's that's the hope, hopeful optimist in me. You I sound guess. like my dad, Sam. <laughs> that is very fair. But, you know, that's Judge Giants baseball is at right now. One thing, place that Giants baseball is at going into the second half is uh, – Giants just in a very good spot right now, and I kind of I wanted to do like a second half preview type deal, but we weren't able to make that happen last week. So I kind of want to have this episode be that, but I wasn't really sure kind of how to really approach talking about the second half. So you know what I did, Shasky? I decided to uh, write a bunch of Giants topics on a piece of paper, print them. I typed them up, print them out, and I put them all in this hat right here. Okay. So this Giants hat's a 2019 All Star Game hat. For those who are uh, listening, which is which is most of them, uh, you guys have to take my word for it. I do have a hat here. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see the take hat. I'm gonna I'm gonna shake it here for the mic so you can hear it. And the way it's gonna work, Shasky, I don't know if you ever watched Whose Line Is It Is It Anyway. There's that uh, sketch scenes from a hat. They they pull a, like a thing out of a hat. You have to act out that scene. It's kind of like that, except it's you know it's it's themes from a hat. You know, Giants. Themes I like it. For the second half. I don't know, it's not really themes though. It's names and topics. But the way it's gonna work is I'm gonna pull a name out of a hat. And uh, that's what we're going to talk about in terms of how they will impact the second half for a couple minutes. So you ready for this? I'm ready. Let's go. Fire away. Pull one out. He's rummaging, 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 rummaging. And he's found something. Lamont Wade Jr. So how what will Lamont Wade Jr.'s impact be on the Giants in the second half? I worry that he's going to come back down to earth, uh, both defensively and offensively. Um, You know, you're seeing the average dip down just a little 
Um, but I, but I do worry. And you know, now that there's rumors that they're in on Paul Goldschmidt, which I don't know how substantial those rumors are, but I just wonder where he's at long-term with this team. You know, have they squeezed yeah. the lemon for every drop and maybe the league adjusts to his adjustment to his adjustment of the league? Like, I, I just don't know, but I have a feeling he's going to finish the season batting 265 or below. Yeah, I guess with Lamont Wade Jr. It always feels like you're not really so much worried about the uh, the average as much as the on-base percentage. I mean, he is kind of an interesting case as a leadoff hitter in that he's a guy who can get on base, but he's not really a speedster on the bases. No. I mean, he could scoot, but, you know, if you're comparing him to, like, you know, other traditional leadoff guys like, you know, an Estuary Ruiz or, you know, which might be an extreme example, you're going to be a little disappointed. When I look, I mean, that's a, when I look at Lamont Wade, though, it, it's kind of like what, what is going to translate and not fade away. And I feel like something that's, why I would not worry about Lamont Wade Jr. is the batting eye. I feel like mm. once you have that that view of the strike zone, you're not going to just lose it. It's not like the strike zone is going to change and you have to readjust on kind of finding out where the edges of those zones are. And Lamont Wade Jr. has such a great kind of mastery of the strike zone right now that I think he'll always be able to figure out a way to get on base. And as long as he's getting on base, especially in that leadoff spot, you're going to be getting some value out of him. But okay. I think this kind of goes into just... Uh, I feel like a truth that, that, that we don't want to talk about when it comes to these Farhan fines, which is what Lamont Wade Jr. is. He is a Farhan fine. They kind of found him in the middle of nowhere, brought him in, adapted him to the system, and he's been able to flourish. But guys like Lamont Wade Jr. who you find off the scrap heap, most of the time you realize they're on the scrap heap for a reason. Exactly. And you can milk some great baseball out of them for a time. After a while, he could turn into a pumpkin again. That's the risk you always take. And yeah, I think it's a fair worry. Can Lamont Wade keep it up? I think, it, but again, I go back to as long as you have that that vision of the strike zone, you're getting on base consistently, you're playing first base, which, I mean, yeah, you want good defense at first base, but it's not super hard to play good defense at first base. Um, that would suck if he definitely fades in the second half. I'm not super worried about that happening, though, just yet. But again, that's, I, that's what I am a little worried. I am a little worried. And I just think that like, you know, he's really only put together the two halves, the, the half of 2021 and this half right now. Yeah. I mean, he's a guy that he's shown that when he's been healthy, he's always been able to find a way to produce. If they did kind of, let's say they acquired Paul Goldschmidt, which that'd be really cool. Assuming that Lamont Wade Jr. would not be a part of that trade. Do you think they just move him back to the outfield or is he yes. on the bench? Yeah. I think he goes back out to the outfield, gives them some left-handed outfield uh, versatility. They have a lot of righties in the mm -hmm. outfield right now outside of Yaz, um, Conforto, righty, even though he bats left-handed. Uh, Mitch Kanderger, righty, righty. You know, when he comes back at some point, Matos, righty, righty, Slater, righty, righty. I, I think that this gives him a lefty option. That will be interesting. So, yeah, well, that'd be something to keep an eye. I wasn't really thinking about Lamont Wade Jr. fading in the second half. So uh, thanks for giving me a reason to not get some sleep tonight. So Sorry, bud. Let's get, let's get another one here. All right, Rummaging, 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 grab go. something. And we got something here. It is, <laughs> oh, yes, Farhan Zaidi. What will be the storylines around Farhan Zaidi? Here in the second half, Shasky, I know you want to get in on this. What well, you, you know what? Put the trades to the side. Can't predict the trades. I'm not going to yeah. even pretend to predict the trades because who knows? I think his entire tenure is going to come down to one thing. Strictly how well do these youngsters play? And, and I mean, Bailey, does he continue? Schmidt, does he continue to free fall? Um, Matos, does he show signs of life here in the second half? I think the youngsters are going to be the measuring stick by which we make our calculations on Farhan's ID. 
Yeah, I think it's, you know, uh, Joe Spadoni threw in a uh, an interesting nugget into our text thread last week. He really kind of brought, he brought up a good point. You know, as far, you know, most general managers, it's like their definition of success is tied to their ability to make the playoffs. But with Farhan, it, oh, he pointed out, it's almost like his definition of success is what do these young guys do? And it's almost like, you know, if Farhan doesn't make the playoffs, if the Giants don't make the playoffs this year, it'd be four out of five years missing the playoffs under Farhan. But you see progression from guys like Bailey, yes. from Schmidt, from Matos, from Ryan Walker. Kyle Harrison comes up. He has a good start. You know, you're, you're going to be feeling very good about Farhan. That would probably earn him an extension, which yes. is very inter- a very interesting situation there. I mean, I don't know. Should Farhan's kind of his, – his his credibility, his reputation, his, his measure of success, is it – should, is that kind of, should it be kind of attached to just how the young guys do and or how much does the the record and where you finish in the standings and where you're playing in October kind of fit into that? Well, I mean, I think we would all agree that they're an older team that kind of pieced together with one, two, and three-year deals. So we want to see what the foundation of the future is. And aren't the three youngsters the foundation of the future? I mean, that's yeah, I would say, I mean, yeah, with, with Mato, Schmidt, and Bailey, yeah, that's three parts of your foundation of the future. I would say Kyle Harrison, you hope to have in there exactly. as well. Um, but I think that's kind of in part what Farhan was brought in here to do was kind of revamp this team in a exactly. way that it desperately needed. Uh, and that takes a while sometimes. I mean, I say it all the time. No one really kind of talks about how down bad the Giants were when he got here uh, after that 2018 season. It was, very, it was a very old team. It was a team that, you know, I mean, fans were still attached to the, the old players who were on that team. But it was really it was a team that looked like they were just playing a completely different and like obsolete brand of baseball. And they were old and there was just there was no reason for hope for the next few years. And yeah, I you ask any you, you read over all the you know, when you know, whenever a team hires a new general manager, all the websites are going to put out the, you know, what to expect from this guy now that he's leading this team. And whether it's ESPN, whether it was, you know, Fox Sports, whether it was MLB.com, each, you know, the athletic, each one of these sites said that Farhan has to undergo a very long and painful rebuilding process for the Giants. In some way, shape, or form, they said that. Now, long and painful could be kind of what the Orioles did. Uh, long and painful can be what the Tigers are going through. Has it been painful for the Giants at times? Yes. Um, but... Has it been like a horrifically long and painful process? I don't know if I would say that. What would you would you say it's been a difficult or long rebuild here? I know yeah, we- it's been long. Yeah. I mean, you, you keep finding nobility and being a competitive team. Meanwhile, I'm looking at the nobility of losing 100 games in a row, five straight horrible seasons. And then you look up and the Orioles might have the best future in baseball, maybe in any sport. So I guess the thing is, yeah, I mean, a lot of. Because I remember when I first met Farhan, uh, when he first got here, he said he's very anti-tanking. Is the biggest mistake right now for Farhan that maybe he shouldn't have had that anti-tanking stance? Well, let me ask you, did you spend money wisely in 2019? How about 2022? How about 2023? Like, let's be honest. Look at their free agency track record. Hasn't been great. When they gave Crawford that extension, I think a lot of people like, yeah, he gets to retire a giant. Most people outside this market were like, it's probably an overpay for a Mm 35-year-old shortstop. Well, I remember I was not really on board with bringing Crawford back after 21. It was a classic year in a contract year season. Crawford usually does well in his contract years, and then he kind of regresses back to being the Brandon Crawford we know and love after that. Bringing back Crawford, especially after that year in 21, I understand the fan sentiment, but 
if you want to bring Crawford back, that's fine. I think for the biggest free agency screw up Farhan has had, it's not Aaron Judge. Correa. It's not, it's not Correa. It's not going to be Shohei this winter. I think the biggest screw up that Farhan made in free agency was not pouncing on either Corey Seager or Marcus Simeon after that 2021 season to try and find maybe a more long-term option to play second base and then maybe move that guy over to shortstop when Crawford retires. You had a 107-win season, and you had – all the reason to go out and get one of those big premier middle infielders to team up with Brandon Crawford. And you just, you punted, you punted on that completely. You didn't even, I don't even know if you punted, you didn't even take the field. Well, and, and now with the Estrada injury, it feels like you need another middle infielder. And you could say, Oh, they had Tyro Estrada. I would, I, I, no disrespect to Tyro Estrada. I would rather have Marcus Simeon or Corey Seager in this lineup over Tyro Estrada. That's not a disrespect to Tyro Estrada. That's just like, there's, there's good players and then there's elite players. And, Farhan passing on those two guys. I think you had a real chance to improve what was, I think, a team that played over its head a little bit. And you probably have a much more positive season in 2022. I know Simeon and Seager both kind of struggled at times last year. They're balling. They're balling right now. And you're telling me that as we're searching for a star, Marcus Simeon, you don't think that he would be a star for the Giants right now? Corey Seager, you don't think that he would be an emerging star for the Giants right now? It's just... Right now, that's the the biggest beef I had with Farhan was just not upgrading. What about Gosman? I mean, we're signing Gosman, and like, there's a lot of little moves here and there that have added up. And I just I look at it right now. I'm like, what? Like, what did you what did you really accomplish outside of 2021? Yeah, you you got people excited. The Gosman thing, I letting Gosman walk that hurt. But when you think of all the other free agents that Farhan has let walk, if that's the only one that kind of comes back to haunt the Giants, I think you'll live with that. But I agree. You know, if that list grows, then, you know, maybe maybe we're having a different conversation. So let's shuffle through the hat one last time here. All right, rummage, 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 maybe rummage. Maybe we can come out with something positive here. Uh, Casey Schmidt. Mm. How, Casey Schmidt. How big is this second half going to be for Casey Schmidt? I think it's huge. Um, you know, I, I want to see the young man stay at the big league level. It's hard to make an argument for him when he, he hasn't been hitting. I mean – basically 118 over his last month or so, you know, it's not good. Here's what I would say to giants fans. He's got 37 hits. Brandon Crawford's got 41 hits. Neither (laughs) guy is producing right now. Now one's a cemented two-time champion, multiple gold glove winner at the end of his road. The other is a 24 year old who's scuffling ride with the kid. Give him a couple of weeks. Let's see where he's at. I think the second half is monstrous for him. It's going to be huge. We need to see a lot from Casey Schmidt, I think, in the second half. Because like we've been saying, you know, we said, you know, who's the foundation of this team? Patrick Bailey, Luis Machos. We're throwing Casey Schmidt in there. Yeah. Now, I don't know what Casey Schmidt's ceiling is going to be. No one does. My get, I've always said, if you give me the career that Brandon Crawford had, like, I would take that. Brandon Crawford, is he going to the Hall of Fame? No. Is, you know, he made a couple all-star games. You know, he's a fan favorite, represented this Hall of Fame guy. He's a, yeah, he'll be on the Giants wall of fame. He will not be in the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame with an H. But if Casey Schmidt, if he could be a guy who just gives me plus production at the plate, gives me plus plus production in the field, and just represents the Giants well, makes fans like him. I mean, I just think Brendan Crawford, not a superstar, you know, in the traditional sense, but he's a superstar with this fan base in terms yeah. of just how fans like him and love him. And 
I do think that is a positive. And again, when you play, you know, a role in winning two World Series championships, that's also going to be endearing to you. If Schmidt can help this team win one title, that would be great. If he can help this team win two, I'll be ecstatic. But <laughs> I, I think if you're setting, I don't know if if setting the just be Brandon Crawford. That I don't feel like that's too high of a ceiling though for Casey Schmidt. I think that's doable for over a decade. I mean, yeah. Uh, like, I think that's a table, though. Can, can Casey Schmidt hit 260 for his career while playing, you know, gold glove caliber defense? I don't think that's a huge ask from from Schmidt. Okay. Remember, Brandon Crawford, he kind of got off to a slow start at the plate in his career before really kind of coming on after two, three years in the big leagues. Maybe it's be one of those things where that's going to be Casey Schmidt. He's going to be you're a great defensive asset at second base or honestly in the entire left side of the field. Remember Crawford can only play short. Schmidt can play a lot of different positions. Yeah, that's a good point. He can play them on defense. He plays great defense well, at second, short and third. Sorry. I would wonder what we were thinking. I would wonder what we would think of, of Casey Schmidt. If JD Davis wasn't here balling the way he was, I think we'd be, cause right now you got, you know, basically, you know, Wilmer Flores, who's the only other guy who can play a couple positions on that infield. It just, I don't know. I feel like Casey Schmidt's going to be the odd man out here if Tyro returns and he looks good and Crawford can pick it up here. It does feel like he's the odd man out, but there's so many inventory of at-bats. He'll stay up, I hope. Yeah, I do think J.D. Davis does kind of take a little bit of pressure off of him. If Davis was not producing, we'd probably be expecting Schmidt to do more at third base. And listen, I think Schmidt's in a good situation right now to keep working on his struggles and break out of this. Um, I do want to get back to Casey Schmidt in a little bit. 